Before we start today's episode, a bit of housekeeping for all those wonderful listeners out there. Whichever your podcast listening platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, reviews can make a huge difference. So not only do I hugely value your feedback, which can help me create better content, but it also helps others discover the podcast. So if you could leave a review, that would be fabulous. And with that, on with today's show. I'm the Reverend Dr. Jenny McKay, veterinarian and minister in secular employment, also environmentalist, activist and self-confessed cat junkie. But believe it or not, I've never had to put down an eagle with a broken leg in Kenya. But someone who has is my guest, Kathy Edge, a.k.a. The Knitting Nun. Hello, Kathy. Can you tell me more about this poor eagle and what happened to it? Hello, Jenny, and it's good to be here with you. It was back in about 1990 and I was teaching science and maths in a school in Samburu, Kenya, in a tiny town called Womba. The school was run by an Italian order, the Consolata Sisters. I had gone there through an organisation called the Volunteer Missionary Movement, founded by Edwina Gately. I was in the middle of a lesson when the head teacher, Sister Lawrence, came in with the Ascari, who was the security man. He had found a large eagle in the grounds. And as the person who taught biology, any animal, alive or dead, was brought to me. We had no vet nearby, sadly. So after examining it, I could see it had a broken leg. And by the time it was found, it was in a bad way and the break was a bad one. I couldn't splint it and I couldn't get the eagle to eat. And of course, the reality is that even if it had eaten, the eagle would never have survived in the wild. We were far from any assistance and the bird was suffering. So although it was a very difficult decision, it was one that for the sake of the bird I had to take. But on a brighter note, um, with the help of our girl guides, we did successfully hand rear 10 pups when one of the dogs on the school compound died a few weeks after giving birth. So it was very much life and death. Yes, yes, it was. It was indeed. And you must have seen, as you say, so so much of that in your travels and your involvement in your work in, in Kenya. Definitely, definitely. And you're best known, of course, as the Knitting Nun, and you have a wonderful social media page. Can you tell me a little bit, Cathy, about your journey into the Sisters of Mercy and whether you always had this spiritual side or did this calling just come out of nowhere? Well, I feel very fortunate um, to have come from the background I, I came from. Mum was Catholic and Dad was C of E. Mum um, was a great reader and read books about faith and theology. And it was at home that I learned that prayer and faith must relate to our actions and the lives we live. Most certainly, it wasn't just about attendance at Mass on a Sunday. I remember when I was aged about 10, coming home from school, and because of something the teacher had said, I was worried what would happen to one of our neighbours who was an atheist if he died. 
Mum asked me, was he a good man? And he was a good man. He helped others and cared for the environment long before it was popular and was into organic gardening and I, I could go on about him. So having sat me at the kitchen table and given me a drink, Mum told me that God cares more about our actions and the kind of people we are than where or even if we go to church on a Sunday. And then she started quoting Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats. You know, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink, etc. And she then said that our neighbour might not believe in God, but that God believes in him. And that's something that's always stayed with me, thankfully, you know. Um, and Dad was a very practical and a balanced, compassionate man as well. Um, and I learned so much from them both. Back to your, your question, in a sense, I wouldn't say I would necessarily have thought of myself as being very spiritual growing up. Um, I do remember wanting to be an altar server as a child. But back then I couldn't because I was a girl and it wasn't allowed. Um, but in all honesty, it was probably more because the altar servers were given treats and a selection box at Christmas <laughs> than for any religious reason. <laughs> you know, um, I never dreamt of being a nun. Uh, it was a total surprise to me when I felt God calling me to religious life. And that was after I'd come back from Kenya. Um, and I, I took a long time trying to tell God that it was a joke. You know, God, you're having a good joke here. It's not very funny, but you're having a joke. And even trying to tell God that he'd made a mistake. Um, and eventually I, I gave in and agreed with God that I'd give it a go, believing that I would prove God wrong. Um, of course, God had the last laugh and was right. Um and so, yeah, so that's the reality of how I came to be where I am today. Oh, that's amazing. And you've been there now, haven't you, for nearly three decades. So he really was right, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he, he was. He was, yeah. And thankfully, and it's been a wonderful three decades. Absolutely wonderful. I couldn't have imagined it. Wonderful. And you are a very modern none and and I think as you said earlier it can be quite difficult today because we're speaking to lots of people who are, are atheists and people don't understand what we do they think we're a little bit weird well well maybe we are <laughs> but yeah what do you think in today's world really makes a modern nun standard oh that's a a difficult one I mean I think one of the things that really attracted me to the Sisters of Mercy, and it's the Sisters of Mercy I belong to, is that the women I met were real women first. They were real, very practical women. And um, we are an apostolic order, which to sum it up easily, is about contemplation and action. Um, and we, we actually take a fourth bow there's three usual vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, but we take a fourth vow of service of those in need. And the Sisters of Mercy were founded by Catherine Macaulay in Dublin in 1831. And like most religious orders, it was to respond to the needs of the time. 
and the place. And primarily we were founded to work with the poor and for education of women and children. And ever since 1831, we've continually evolved and we'll continue to do so. Traditionally here in Britain, many of our sisters worked in education or health settings. Um, in some areas, it was our sisters who started schools for children who otherwise wouldn't have been educated. Families couldn't have afforded it. And thankfully, times have changed and education and healthcare now are mainstream. Uh, many of our larger convents have gone and we have more sisters living in ordinary properties and smaller groups are, like me, even living on their own. Um, many of our sisters do still work with women and young people. And I actually now work for a, a funeral directors as a, a funeral arranger. Um, Catherine McCauley was determined that her sisters should not should be out in the community and didn't want them cloistered. Um, she saw the streets as being our cloister. And in the early days, the nuns were known as the, the walking nuns. And you've already mentioned social media uh, and that I'm on Twitter as Knitting Nun. Um, and I believe the internet is a modern day street, you know. And Catherine was a prolific letter writer. And I firmly believe that if she was alive today, she would be on social media, meeting people where they are, you know. And she'd probably have a podcast too, like you do. <laughs> uh, so maybe you've just given me an idea there. Yes, uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> so just as in those early days, we'll continue to evolve and respond to the needs of our time as God invites us, you know. Um, Catherine McCauley had a prayer called the Sushipi, which... that's that's wonderful and I really like what you said about the social media because sometimes it gets a very very bad press but I, I think when COVID happened you know the the church many of them had to move on to social media which has actually been a very very good thing and I hope that they they stay with that absolutely I agree with you totally you know I, I think it's it's always been that the church isn't about the building it's about the people and I think it is about meeting people where they are and being open to that. Yeah. And the, yeah, we, we have to stay up to date and current, don't we? Definitely. That is, Definitely. That is key. And you don't wear a habit or anything like that, Cathy? No, some would say I have enough bad habits as it is. <laughs> um, so, no, I don't. But again traditionally the, the habit evolved as the dress of the ordinary people of the time and then it kind of got encompassed in, in rules and yes for some people they feel it's right for them for me personally um I would say I wear the ordinary dress of the time yes yeah 
it was mum who taught me to knit and sew and do embroidery as a very small child. Um, and I'm left-handed and my mother is left-handed. Uh, so it was quite fortunate that she taught me how to knit. Some people, if they're watching me, think it's very unusual how I hold my knitting needles. Um, but that's because I'm left-handed, but I actually knit as a right-handed person. So it's it's quite funny, believe it or not, you can knit left-handed. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, you can, you can. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I learned then, and I hadn't done it for a number of years after entering. I, I'd done more cross-stitch in between, and it was about 10 years ago I picked it up again. Uh, the, the community I was in at the time, we were doing some fundraising and it was coming up to Easter and I started to knit some little checks that we could put cream eggs in and it went on from there and I haven't put my needles down since. Oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. I, I am a terrible knitter, so uh, <laughs> I probably need, need some tips from you. But it's really, it has become trendy as well, hasn't it? Because I think during COVID people took it up and then of course we've had Tom Daly and he said he enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it was becoming more popular again before lockdown and COVID. But I, I do think that made a difference to many people because they suddenly had pain and didn't know what to do with themselves. Um, and again, although they might not be able to go to shops, they were able to order so much online. Yes. So they were able to start and they were able, again, to use the technology and YouTube videos to learn how to do things. Um, so I think that made a tremendous difference. And, yeah, I've loved Tom Daly sharing his knitting. I think it's lovely to see a young man knitting and doing it publicly and, and basically stating that knitting isn't just for women, you know. Um, for myself personally, I find it so reflective. Mm. It's a great way to meditate. Mm -hmm. it of course, it depends on the pattern you're using at the time. <laughs> and if it's, you know. But, yeah, so I, I just love it. I remember at school, I, I started knitting this teddy bear, but unfortunately his body, it just kept growing longer and longer and longer because I couldn't quite sort out the the legs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you're right, as, you, as you're... Your knitting it gives gives you time to to think and it, it's peaceful, isn't it? As you say, meditative almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course, you've got a lovely dog as well, who um I've seen on Zoom calls with you, and that's Mia. Well worth a look at on um Kathy's Twitter, and I know she had a recent girly weekend. So what happened on this weekend away? Yes, yes. Well, it went very well, thank you. Um, Mia's, Mia's actually now 11 and came to stay with me nearly three years ago when sadly Arona could no longer look after her. I wasn't looking for a dog at the time. and But um, Mia loves her girly sleepovers with Danny and Lacey, her two other Sheltie friends. and They belong to my friends Karen and Tony. Karen and I first met just a few years ago when we were at university as 18-year-olds. Um, and thankfully, the three dogs get on very well together. And since Danny and Lacey are much more active than Mia, it actually encourages Mia to do more because she wants to keep up with them. They're younger and they're more active. So she then decides, right, I'll, 
I'll do a bit more. So it's good for her as well, you know. Yeah, but she she doesn't look um eleven, does she? You know, no, she's she's very youthful looking. She doesn't, she doesn't, and she she does look very cute, as everyone says, and she knows how to use. <laughs> they all they all do the animals. They know how to get get our attention. Definitely. And you've got another great hobby or interest, which is baking. So could you tell me, have you had any really ambitious baking projects recently? And and, and do you think you would have got the Paul Hollywood handshake had you been on Bake Off? Oh, well, I again, I got my passion for baking from my parents. Um, Dad was a great baker. Uh, and mum, it was more pastry. Dad would always bake for the family. and. Uh, if there was a special event, he would always make his yummy fresh cream butterfly buns. And for mum, it was her cheese and onion pie, was a, which is a great northern classic, of course. And that was on our table on a regular basis. Um, and I have to say, my sponge is much better than my pastry, you know. Um, I, I do, I confess, if I'm doing pastry, I tend to buy it now. I hope... I'm sure Mum's looking down, and she'll be she'll be shaking her head at me. But I, I confess, I buy it. Um, but asking about any great bakes, well, probably the biggest thing I've done was last year, along with my friend Karen, who I mentioned, who owns Danny and Lacey, and Karen's mum Sue. We made the wedding cake for Joe and Charlie. That's Karen's son and daughter-in-law. Joe is also my godson, um, and it was four tears. I never done anything like that. We'd never done anything that big. And was that um, a traditional fruit cake? It was. They wanted a traditional fruit cake, so they had four tiers of traditional fruit cake. And um, it, we actually had great fun making it and experimenting with decorating it. Sadly, though, at the end, I, I caught COVID just before the wedding and I was unable to go. Oh, no. <laughs> but again, thanks to modern technology, I was able to join online. So that was wonderful. And I I also last year, I made as a, as a Scot, I think it was maybe a bit too much to ask, but I did it anyway. I made a birthday cake in the shape of a Welsh rugby ball for a friend. Um, I, 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 I was tempted to make it, make it a Scottish rugby ball, but I decided <laughs> no, you know. Uh, so I, I made that for her 50th birthday. So that was great. So I've done a few. As for Paul Hollywood and the handshake, well, I don't know. Um, I think he'd probably say that my bakes don't look uniform enough in size. And he probably wouldn't. And... I know my sister would probably be concerned as to my reaction if he was rude about my baking. <laughs> um, I would probably be rude back. <laughs> he might get a little bit of cake thrown at him. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do anything violent, of course. <laughs> oh, but that that's wonderful. And I hope the wedding cake that they saved you a piece. I'm sure they did. Oh, I, I did. I did. Yes, I got a lovely piece of wedding cake. Thank you. <laughs> and you make a very good Scottish tablet as well. Yes, thank you. 
Um, I, I do have a soft spot for Scottish tablet, I've got to say. It's very Moorish. Oh, do you? I really, really do, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm dropping a little hint there, Cathy. Yes. I, 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 I'm picking it up. Don't worry, Jenny. It's, it's going in. Um, of course, some people won't know what Scottish tablet is. I, I have been stopped before if I've said, oh, I'm, I'm making tablets. Oh, People right. have now stopped me thinking I'm making like a tablet computer. Okay. okay. And it's only as the conversation goes on and I think, oh, they've got the wrong end of the stick there. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's a Celtic influence, isn't it? Yeah. Some people do not know what tablet is. Yeah. Yep. So for those who don't know, I, I describe tablet, and you might describe it slightly differently, but I would say it's similar to fudge. But the ratio of ingredients is different, making it slightly harder and, and less creamy. Yes. Yes. Does it have more sugar in it than fudge? Ratio-wise, yes, it has more sugar in it. And there would be less milk, butter, dairy products in it. You can tell that. I, I say to people, you know, it's all totally natural. <laughs> and yes. it is. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's... It's very bad for you. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very high in sugar. But um, yeah, if nobody listening has, has tried it, I think you should try a little square off it at least. But then you you might become addicted oh, to it. <laughs> absolutely. And where I was growing up, it was something that was traditionally made for Halloween and given to children who came round guising. Was that a tradition you had in Northern Ireland, the guising? No, 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 we didn't. We didn't. It's it's very different to the the trick or treating that's coming from America. Uh, but children would dress up and come round and sing a song or recite a poem or tell a joke in return for some treats. And where I grew up, that was usually some homemade tablet. And so you you come back home and compare the different tablets you got from different addresses and decide which was the best, you know. Um, and there's probably as many tablet recipes as there are people making it. Oh, didn't know that, didn't know that. Yeah, so that's, yeah, so some are very special and others, I guess, are ordinary. <laughs> yeah, and, and you say you've tried it, but have you ever made it? No, I haven't made no. it. No, no. So where have you tried it then? Um, I got some lovely tablet on the island of Ailey. Oh, I think that was the best one that that I've tried actually. But but usually, if we go up to Scotland, we we try it. It's not the same when you buy it in a big shop, is it? It's the local makers. It's yeah, do something special. It's if if you can find the the person in a small area who's actually selling it by their gate, or the small shop that's selling from somebody who makes it at home. Mm-hmm. It's it's all that will be better. Yeah. But I'll I'll make sure you have some. <laughs> I'll get you some. Next time I make it. Yes. Next time you're over the border, yeah. Or oh no, I'm I, I make the laugh of it is I make it down here in England and take it up to Scotland. You take it up there. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, I've got another another big question for you. Would you rather fly across the galaxy in the USS Enterprise with John Luke Picard or journey through time and space in the TARDIS with 
Doctor Who. And of course, you've wow. got a choice of Doctors and I, haven't you? Yeah, that is a big question, isn't it? Um, I'm going to choose to travel in the TARDIS with Doctor Who. Since, as you pointed out, Doctor Who can travel through time and space in the TARDIS. So my plan is that the Doctor could take me forward in time to land on the Starship Enterprise to meet Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, that's very clever. I can get them both. Um, and, and oh, which, which Doctor would I want to travel with? Well, of course, I remember the original Doctor Who's, you know, the old days of Doctor Who. Um, so I'd probably choose John Pertwee or Tom Baker from the original series because they played the Doctor when I really became fascinated with it. And can I also ask that Sarah Jane Smith, played by Elizabeth Sladen, is the assistant. Oh, yes, and I do remember. She was marvellous. She was fantastic. And, of course, we need K-9 there as well. Yes. You know? I, oh. So I, I would... that they, that would be my, my first choice. And if it was the modern Doctor Who's, well, I'd happily travel with them as well, to be honest. Um, and I, I'd love it to be David Tennant or, of course, Jodie Whittaker, who broke the mould becoming the first woman Doctor Who. She did. She did. So who knows where they're, where they're going next? I think they're... I don't know whether they've chosen the next Doctor or I think he might have appeared in the last series. Yeah, they've... they've They've chosen. They've chosen. Of course, when I was a child, you you didn't know until the next series who was the next Doctor, whereas now you know before the previous Doctor's even finished, you know? That's right, and it all, all comes out on social media as well, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It <laughs> does. But, yeah, so they've chosen, and it, I think it's a good choice, and, yeah, look forward to the next series. Of course, the next Doctor Who is actually coming back to David Tennant. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. That was a bit of a, a change. Uh, we've never seen that before, a Doctor coming back. That threw many of us. That will be a good one. <laughs> Definitely. So, Cathy, you've had such an interesting life and, and you will continue to have a very interesting life, I'm sure. But what's next for you? Well, as Woody Allen would have said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans. And I understand that comes from an old Yiddish proverb, we plan and God laughs. Um, so to be honest, Jenny, do we ever know? Um, and I think that's one thing COVID taught us, that you just don't know what's around the corner. Um, and all I can do is be open to whatever God is inviting me to. And if I do that, if I look back on my life, I know that when I've done that, it all works out for the best. And I love um, Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all yes. your ways, acknowledge God and God will direct your paths. So the, in answer to your question, basically, I don't know. But I'm sure you don't know either, do you? No. The as you say, the the road is open and sometimes you think you know exactly where you want to go and it all changes. Absolutely, yeah. 
but whatever whatever path it is that that's the one we have and it'll be a good one definitely so thank you very much i've really really enjoyed talking to you kathy and i wish you well in the next steps and i look forward to maybe trying a bit of knitting while sucking on a piece of scottish tablet thank you jenny it's been fun thank you take care